So. Whoa. All right. This is, this is great. Wow. Man, very exciting. I'm jazzed. Wow. Okay. Um, got to focus. I got stuff to talk about. Okay. So, uh. Hi, welcome to you, and thank you for welcoming me uh, to, to talk to you tonight. Uh, happy Valentine's Day? Yeah. Maybe, yeah, we're cool, we like that? No, okay, <laughs> we gotta, we're not so sure, you know? I get it, I get it, you know, it's a day of, uh, you know, various emotions and feelings, you know? I was in college once, I know, you know, it's, so it's a tricky thing, you know. Uh, I, for what it's worth, I hope that you have um, a, a loving experience being a part of Challenge tonight and like being a part of uh, this community. And, and more importantly, uh, Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That truth of God's love poured out and Jesus' sacrifice for us, that truth undergirds just everything, every truth that we try to convey and challenge every week. His love for you, his love for the world, and our response to that, that's what, that's what we're about. That's what we're about here. And so I hope that regardless of your feelings on what, today, on the holiday, you know, that that is conveyed and that um, you can take comfort in the perfect love that God has to offer and that nobody else does. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. That quote is by C.S. Lewis. Uh, I've quoted him before in this context and he wrote, he's written lots of books he wrote in his lifetime. Not, some of them being Mere Christianity and that, which is where that quote is from as well as the Chronicles of Narnia. And he says these things not to get us just down about Jesus, but to really help us understand, like he said, he said some things, guys, that are pretty easy to agree with about love and forgiveness and charity, right? And he also said some things that just do not cohere with a, a normal person who um, is, a, is a, just a godly teacher. No, he was so much more than that. If we can if we can accept him as just that, as Lord, if we can get over the possibility of him being a lunatic or a liar, then he must be Lord. And so he said some things that we need to wrestle with, some statements that 
that really talk about his authority uh, and shaking the status quo of how we, we tend to live our, whatever, society or life. And also he proclaimed his lordship, his, his, his deity, his godhead. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be examining some controversial statements of Jesus. That's the, the prompt for this uh, series, lovingly entitled, Oh, for real? <laughs> I, some staff members who are younger and cooler than I am came up with this particular concept. I'm, I'm just like you. I'm along for the ride here with this, with this idea, but uh, that's what it's called. But regardless, we're looking at these controversial statements of Jesus, shocking statements of Jesus, getting a better picture of who he is and how we ought to respond to his audacious claims. Is Jesus a liar? Is Jesus a lunatic? Or is he Lord? That's what we're looking into in this series. Luke 9.23 says, And Jesus said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He said this, we, you and I are self-oriented creatures, right? This is the way that we tend to live is just referenced toward ourself, oriented toward ourself. And, and from one culture to another, from one era or another, we're given messaging from the culture that affirms this intrinsic belief that the self is the most important being in the universe. Like even if we're not willing to admit that, that's what the kind of messaging that we receive. And that's the message that we want to believe about ourselves. And so these cultural forms tend to shift over time. Uh, but some of the kind of self-oriented living cultural norms that I see is like the, the importance of loving yourself, of maybe pampering yourself or putting yourself first. And, and then another thing is treating yourself. Now, if you have seen the show Parks and Recreation, let me know with a little hand. Okay, so we're not totally out of our depth here. I know it's a very millennial show to like. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm self-aware to know that. And, uh, but there's a concept in this show called Treat Yourself. Yes? And uh, yeah, there they are. So there's two characters who they have this kind of holiday that they've concocted in order to take one day of the year to just splurge, basically, and to just do whatever they want to, to treat themselves for that particular day in the form of various things. They, they, they share it in this scene. Clothes, fragrances, massages, mimosas, and fine leather goods, okay? So that's, that's what Treat Yourself is all about for these characters in this show. Is there anything, so, so obviously this is like a self-oriented thing to do, you know, you're trying to treat yourself, love yourself, whatever that is. And obviously there's something, there's a problem here because of what Jesus said in that verse I just read. Is there something wrong with massages? <laughs> Is there something wrong with fine leather goods? 
I don't know. Like, I'm not sure, okay? I'm not here to tell you, you know, what's, <laughs> what's too much in terms of the indulgence that we set for ourselves. But it's clear from this passage, from, from Luke 9, 23, that we, that we just read that God's, Jesus' appeal is for you to deny yourself. <laughs> All right, I said it. Okay. <laughs> Took a lot of... <laughs> So today I just want to walk through the, the three kind of dimensions, the past, present, and future of self-denial. What is self-denial in terms of what, what Jesus has spelled out for us through what he's shared in, in the word, in, a, in the accounts of his life, as well as in other places uh, in scripture? And I hope this is instructed to you. So the first point here in the past is that self-denial was demonstrated and perfected by Jesus. Self-denial was demonstrated and it was perfected by Jesus. These two words I, I consider very specifically where it's, he, it was demonstrated, he, he lived it out. He was an example to us and it was perfected. Like he truly embodied that, that lifestyle of self-denial. When you think of the word cross, what do you picture? What are you thinking of? It's like a symbol, right? You're picturing, you know, that kind of T-shaped symbol, maybe in the form of a necklace, right? Maybe, maybe some of us are, you know, wearing, wearing one of those right now. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> um, tattoos, people get a tattoo, you know, of a cross or something like that on their body. Um, or, and it's just in general, we associate it with Jesus, right? With Christianity, okay? This is just a, this is just a thing in our culture. This isn't, there's nothing wrong. Um, now, when Jesus said in Luke 9, take up your cross and follow me, all of, all of the above, all of the cultural association that you and I have with the cross didn't exist yet because he hadn't, hadn't died on one yet, right? And so the only thing that the phrase take up your cross meant was death, death right? Because this was an instrument of torture, a brutal instrument of torture and execution. That's just what he's talking about. And so for Jesus to utter that at the time was baffling. You know, for me, especially, I don't know, maybe growing up in a Christian kind of uh, culture, going to church, it's like these, the, the phrase, take up your cross, just kind of rolls off sometimes, you know? But looking at this, no, this was a baffling thing for him to say. This is an uncomfortable thing for him to say. Why do we got, why do we got to talk about that? You know, that was an ugly thing. And it was sort of like just, it seemed unrelated probably to everything else he was saying. Deny yourself by taking your cross, which is the punishment that was reserved for criminals. That was the association. And so there wasn't anything um, honorable about that. And so later though, Later in his life, Jesus, he took that concept of taking up your cross, of that cross, he re-engineered it. He re-engineered that phrase through his own death, through his own death on the cross as a sacrifice in your place. First Peter says, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you 
an example, right? He demonstrated this so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Before I go any further tonight, if you have not received the healing of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus applied to you through his sacrifice on the cross, then that's your next step. All right, that's your next step. I I can't stress this enough, how everything that we can do in terms of trying to follow God and deny ourselves, it's in service to that initial step of making Jesus the Lord of your life so that you can be healed, so that you can experience salvation. So Jesus' self-denial, it gives us an example to follow, right? It provided our salvation. It provided our salvation. And a third aspect of this self-denial, which I think is important to mention, is that it proves his love for you and the value he sees in you. Jesus' self-denial through taking up his cross and sacrificing himself proves his love for you and the value he sees in you. See, if we see self-denial as a denial of our worth, then we've missed the point. You see, Jesus' loving sacrifice, it infuses your life with worth. The Bible says you were bought at a price. You were bought at a price. And so he infuses your life with worth and his beckoning for you to deny yourself is a call to make your life count, to experience even greater worth in your activity, in your actions, and the choices that you make. And so that is what he did for us on the cross and the way he denied himself. And that is how, what he calls us to as followers of him. In the present tense, self-denial is three things. In A, the first of these is that it's powered by God. It's powered by God. The Apostle Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament. He had an incredible testimony of, of Jesus just waking him up from, he was persecuting Christians, he was going after the church, he was just... He was against God entirely. And Jesus got a hold of him and turned his life around. And so and, and he wrote most of the New Testament of the Bible and he imitated Jesus' lifestyle of self-denial. And he writes about this lifestyle somewhat in Philippians 4 in a way that might appear familiar. Philippians 4, 12 to 13. I know how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, 
I have learned the secret of being content. The secret of being content. We should pause here. What's the secret? That's a big deal. You want to, you know, you hear about a secret, you want to know the secret, right? What's the secret of being content? Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. That, that last phrase, you probably, you, you might have heard that before, right? Usually it's often applied, it's often applied to athletics as if to say, I am able to beat the Philadelphia Eagles through him who strengthens me, right? Yes. I, don't have a, I don't have a dog in that fight, but some people, some people probably said that. <laughs> uh, the context of the verse, the context of the verse isn't talking about heroic passes or, or scoring goals, right? Or, or kind of these things that we hold in such high regard, these triumphant acts of, of competition. No, it's talking about self-denial. It's talking about being content no matter what. And, and thank God, he has not called us to do this lifestyle without giving us the strength to do it. And so it says in that verse, I am able to do all things through not my own ability. Not my own ability to deny myself or to appear really humble. No. I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. If you try to deny yourself, take up your cross outside of the power of the Holy Spirit of God, then you will crash and burn. Okay, And so understand, first of all, that the self-denial that Jesus calls us to must be dependent upon God, dependent upon God. Second, self-denial is established by priorities, established by priorities. And what I mean here sort of is this idea of focus. What are you focusing on? An interesting, an idea that I was trying to kind of play with and I, as I was thinking about what I'm sharing tonight is what is the interaction between self-denial and something like self-care, right? Or self-love. What is, what do these values culturally represent and how do they interact with, do they conflict with this thing that, that Jesus is telling me to do? I, I did some quick Googling and came across an image that kind of interested me about this. Um, so I have this right here. Can you kind of read that? If I, you know, sorry, I'm in the way. But uh, it shows on this, this is just some website. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what, what it's talking about or where it's from. I'm sure it's not definitive in any way. But somebody wrote these things up as a way of showing you, hey, here's how you can do self-care. And when I read these, I'm like, these, these are mostly, these are fine things to do, <laughs> right? When I read this, it's uh, you know, asking for help. I mean, yes, <laughs> we have, you know, I mean, I don't wanna, I'm not ridiculing anything here, okay? But, you know, 
we should ask people for help when we need it. And especially asking for what we, what we need, you know, being able to depend on other people, that's huge. And, uh, and saying no to certain obligations or things, commitments. I mean, yes, you can do almost every single one of these things written on this, this image uh, in a way that pleases God, in the way that is ultimately self-denial in nature. But one, but one of these is in conflict with this. Can you spot, can you spot us here? <laughs> and, and on the right side, you'll see putting yourself first. Putting yourself first as a self-care activity. Once again, there are some great intentions behind this idea. And I'm not, whatever, trying to cause some conflict in terms of the t way, these certain terms that are, you know, popular right now. I'm not, but putting yourself first, that is in direct conflict with how God wants us to live. And we can, we can do all those things in, in a space of self-denial where we are putting the right things first and, and it, will, it is honoring to God. But if we're putting, if I'm putting myself first, the choices that I make, the way I relate to God, the way I relate to others, it's gonna be contrary to how Jesus called me to live. And so this is the, the kind of societal kind of problem we gotta figure out as it relates to what Jesus is talking about in, in Luke 9. And in Matthew 6, a different part of his ministry, Jesus says this, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly father knows, he knows, okay, that you need all, all these things, that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What's the key word? Good job. First, what's first? Yes, okay. But in your life, turn it around, put a mirror on it. What is first? What is first there? Consider this. I'm not, I'm looking, not looking for uh, interaction, but no, it's just like, what is first in your life? This is something that we all need to consider. And so a thought that I have here is, especially as it relates to us in this space, in this sphere of the campus, of college, and you might have certain plans that you've, kind of engineered for you to take your degree, you're working toward a degree, and you have certain plans that you have in mind. And a question that you probably need to ask yourself, if you haven't already, is what, what does God think of your plans? Your plans might be great, okay? <laughs> and you're probably pretty good at making these plans maybe, but God is, well, he's even better at making these plans. And he has a certain plan for you. And I encourage you to, in terms of seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, figure out, is my plan, my degree, the internships I'm applying for, the, the future I'm trying to pave for myself, who's first? Is it, is it you? Is it God? Is it your parents? Is it money, status? And... I know that for myself, when I was in school, when I was in college, a while ago, I, I was going through it. I was 
getting my bachelor's in communication design, option in graphic design. And that was my trajectory. I was pretty good at graphic design and I liked it. So I, I was like, I'm gonna do this. And somewhere down the line, as I was seeking the truth of God and trying to grow in my relationship with him and engaging with community, I, I started to notice how hey, God might be calling me toward, leading me toward something different from my plan. And, uh, and that's how he started to direct me toward uh, what I'm doing now <laughs> is I had every intention freshman year to design graphics for the rest of my life. And this has nothing to do with the legitimacy or the merit of one vocation or another, because all these can be used for God's glory. But what, how does your plan align with God's plan? Does it align with God's plan? And that's something that I had to figure out at some point is for my particular situation, using my passions for working with other people and seeing God use my life in the lives of other people, it, it, it directed me, it swayed me toward, this is, that is, that is a God first thing that I need to devote my life to. And, and that's where I landed. And that's, I was just trying to be obedient and I didn't really know the next step or the next the step after that, but that was the step of obedience that I needed to take. That's not the step of obedience maybe that you need to take, but this is something we need to consider. What is first? Philippians 3.8 says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Once again, this is the Apostle Paul demonstrating a life of self-denial where in his situation, in, as he displays it, self-denial means letting go of lesser things, counting them as rubbish, right? Everything is lost. Letting go of those things in order to know and experience and gain one all-important thing of Jesus. Letting go of those things for the pursuit of one thing. I need to know Jesus. The, the joy, the love, the fulfillment that Paul had in knowing Jesus. That's the surpassing worth that made him choose to forsake all else. And in some way, in whatever material way that, that God's calling you to, that's, that's your step as well. This is about the priorities that we make. Who is in charge? Who is first? God calls us to put him first and the people around us. And, and, and guys, he will care for you. All these things will be added to you. He will care for you. And then... Self-denial is also motivated by love. Motivated by love. Some things that it's not motivated by is obligation. Just thinking, oh, okay, well, Jesus told me to do this, so I guess I better do it. 
Self-denial is not motivated by manipulation. Okay, I can kind of get what I want from people and convince them that I'm a, whatever, a good Christian or a really selfless guy if I can just be in self-denial or seem like I'm in self-denial. And it's not motivated by self-pity, trying to earn points, win points, and kind of get people's pity or attention uh, through living in kind of a self-sacrificial, a seemingly self-sacrificial lifestyle. It's motivated by love. 2 Corinthians 5 says, for Christ's love compels us. It motivates us because we are convinced that one died for all. Jesus died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Don't no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That, this gives us two key areas that we need to be compelled by love in. Our love for God and our love for people. Loving God in, in worship and acknowledging him as our savior, as our Lord, as the one who has rescued us and he is empowering us to live in a way that's pleasing to him. Having a posture of worship in your life and then having a love for other people means putting them first and seeking their good above your own and living in a selfless way with regard to the people around you. And a key verse about this is Philippians 2, 3 through 4. And I was thinking about this. this. These verses are important, but the chapter goes on. And let me read that to you. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Self-denial. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Once again, Jesus is our example in this. He's demonstrated this. He's perfected this. He modeled a humility that was willing to die for the sins of the world and care for the needy person in front of him. This is the humility that he demonstrated with his life on earth that we get to see in scripture. Finally, in the future, self-denial will result in life. Self-denial will result in life. Try and figure this one out. Luke 9, 24, the exact statement right after that initial verse we read at the beginning. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. I mean, that's a, that's a paradoxical statement if I've ever heard one, right? And, and somehow the ultimate key to 
self-love, to self-care, is self-denial, according to Jesus. To, to save your life, whoever loses his life, who denies his life, for my sake, he says, will save it. See, God will empower you to live selflessly as you seek him. God will care for your soul as you trust him. God, through Jesus, he called us to self-denial, then lived it through his daily sacrificial attitude. And so he beckons us, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your sacrifice, for your sinless, humble life lived for us to see, to model our lives after, to imitate, Lord. I pray that you would give us our next steps, that you would show us through your word and through your spirit working within us to make changes and to, and to figure out with your help, Lord, how to reconcile your truth with the things that we hear around us, God. I choose to rely and depend on you in this. So please just give us clarity in this. Give us clarity in what to do about these words that you've given us from, from Scripture. And God, I pray that you would, through our process of moment by moment, day by day, self-denial, just sow the seeds of life in us for us to enjoy and for others to see and experience. And so through challenge, God, please do an incredible work through us and in us as we just seek to worship you and to love you and to love the, the campus, the campuses around us. In Jesus' name, amen.